0: Welcome to Pep Talks. We are ready to start this evening and can't wait. We have a great night in store for us and we are so excited. We had such a good response to this speaker and we know that God has a wonderful evening in store. So if you are new to Legacy or maybe you're new to Pep Talks, my name is Jenna Snyder and I am the Director of Guidance Counseling, also the upper school counselor. Um, Also part of student services that I want to acknowledge here, our uh, supervisor Daniel Townsley, the chief academic officer who heads up all our student services and our guidance counseling office um, really helps make these evenings possible. I just want to just uh, shout out to him. And then on the uh, presentation tonight as well is Dr. Dr. Lana Sneer and she is your South Campus counselor. Many of you know Dr. Sneer well, she does a beautiful job for us on the South Campus and she will be joining us too. So before we start, um, just a quick announcement. I do not want you to miss the Eagle Mama Spring Luncheon at Stonebriar Country Club. It is featuring Jerica Olson and Cynthia Yanoff with Christian Parenting. Uh, which is a wonderful organization that i always recommend to parents and love so that is sure to be a good time invite your friends and neighbors um i just realized i do not have the date on this draft so i'm sorry the date's not up there but if you are interested in that luncheon that upcoming luncheon then reach out and email me and i will shoot you all the information um, about that so would love to see you there All right, Lana, um, if you want to go ahead now with our opening prayer, then we will get started.
1: All right, let us pray. Dear Father, we first off, we love you and we are so thankful, Father, that we don't do this parenting thing alone. Um, And Father, that really you do the heavy lifting and you carry so much more than we even ever realize. And Father, tonight we are going to discuss a topic that for for me personally, and for a lot of other parents, I know is heavy. And Father, we are grateful for uh, Mr. Martin, that he is uh, gonna speak your word, Father, and pour out your wisdom to us, that, um, that the burden becomes less. And Father, we are, we are grateful for, for him and his willingness, Father. We are, as always, grateful for you and the messages that you desire for us to have on our hearts. Father, just open our eyes so that each and every one of us can receive an individual message tonight for our specific children. In your name we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Nana. All right. So allow me to introduce you to Dan Martin, who is with a ministry called Pure Hope. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Dan. Um, Not many of you may know about Pure Hope, so I want to share that with you. Um, he is the ministry director for Pure Hope, where he oversees partnerships with both domestic and international leaders, churches and organizations. He frequently speaks on topics addressing family, parenting, marriage, Christian leadership, God's story of sex, um, as in tonight, talking with your kids and also technology. Uh, Between his role with Pure Hope and time spent serving as campus pastor of his local church, Dan has over 12 years of ministry and speaking experience. Dan undergirds truth with grace and helps men and women, parents and leaders do the same. He earnestly believes that God has the better story. We have the better story and we can communicate it confidently, peacefully and effectively with our community and the next generation. Dan lives in Dallas with his wife or the Dallas area with his wife, Kathy. They have three adult children he has parented his way into an empty nester and now grandparent status. And, and I'm, in that, I'm in that camp with you too, Dan, it's fantastic. Um, and along the way, Dan has picked up a few things, I should say so. So tonight, um, please join me in welcoming Dan Martin.
2: Well, thank you, Jenna. And gosh, I am so glad to be with all of you and so excited for how many people are joining us um, and I want everybody just to, as we get ready to dive into this topic, as Lana said, as she prayed, this can be a heavy topic. And uh, let's just start by taking a big, deep breath. It's okay. This, uh, this is a topic that we can talk about. It's a topic that the Bible talks a whole lot about. And so we can be confident in talking about it because God talks about it in his word a lot. And I wanna, um, I wanna share some slides with you. So let me go ahead and um, pull up a slide deck that I have and we'll go through these as I'm talking. Okay. Let me tell you a little bit about pure hope first, which is the organization that I uh, represent that I'm the ministry director for pure hope has a a vision statement that says we're pursuing a world free of sexual brokenness. Um, That's a big vision and (laughs) it's a vision that really we won't see come to fruition until Christ returns one day, but that will be the case when he returns. Uh, and makes all things new, is that we will live in a world free of sexual brokenness. But until then, our mission is to equip you, anybody that we're talking to, and tonight we're talking to parents, and so we're equipping parents to ourselves just to pursue purity through a relationship with Jesus, and, and uh, also to equip our kids. How can we do that? How can we have uh, a story to tell them? How can we really impart this wisdom in this great story um, with our kids in a way that equips them for the culture that they're being raised in. And the name Pure Hope comes from um, 1 John 3, 3. And I'm gonna reference this a few times tonight because I love this verse. Um, Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure the name Pure Hope is really saying, it's making a statement that Jesus is our pure hope. And I love this because it takes the pressure off of us. Purity is not up to us. Purity has been accomplished for us. It is finished. Christ did the hard work. And uh, we're gonna talk more about that tonight because I really think that's how we set up our kids for success. And that's how we set up our kids with a true understanding of what purity is and who purity is. Um, I'm going to go through two sessions tonight, and it's, uh, it's in a very uh, aggressive uh, amount of time. I'm trying to get a lot of information in a short amount of time, and you'll see the first two. I want to answer these key questions. What does the Bible really have to say about sex? And then the second one, how can I have healthy conversations about sex? The third one you see on here, you're actually gonna get a link tomorrow um, to a talk that I did a couple of weeks ago actually, and we video recorded it. And and so we're gonna send that out to you, but it answers a question, how can I navigate this over-sexualized digital age? And the way we're gonna answer these questions, the first part of what I'm gonna talk about is really, gaining an understanding of what God's story of sex is. And then we're going to go into, how do, I, how do I have ongoing conversations about sex with your kids? The whole idea of having the sex talk with your kids, take that out of your mind. Um, <laughs> because I don't want you to think about having a sex talk with your kids. I want, to, I want you to think about having many conversations and ongoing dialogue with your kids when it comes to sex. And then the last one, the one you'll be getting uh, in an email tomorrow, we're going to help you create a tech strategy for your home. And it's really what what we're trying to do here is really help you see technology as a stewardship issue. And and we're going to give you ways that you can protect, ways that you can equip, and ways that you can model a good tech strategy and good Tech stewardship for your kids, and so you'll be seeing that tomorrow. But let me go ahead and dive into this first one: understanding God's story of sex. I would imagine that a lot of you who are listening in and watching probably have not heard um, it phrased this way. You probably have heard, you know, what is God's design for sex, or what is God's purpose, or or what's His plan for sex. We have uniquely um, kind of come up with this wording, not because we had this great thought or this great idea we wanted to be created, but really when you look at scripture, the story of sex is, is told throughout scripture, beginning in Genesis and going all through Revelation. And we see this all throughout scripture where there's this narrative and I think it's really important for us to understand that because we can also think about it this way. The world is also crafting a story when it comes to sex. The world is crafting this, um, this story that they've got a story to tell too with our kids. And so it's almost a competing story that we're going against, but God's got a better story and and that's what we want our kids to see that's what we want to invite them into is that narrative Uh, and so god's story of sex is is what we're going to be talking about and really a great way i think to communicate god's plan for sex his design for sex is is through this story and i i think it's important for each of us as we begin on this just to think about what story you were told maybe when you were growing up, when you were a kid, or when you first became a believer. And, and again, maybe you didn't, haven't thought of it that way, but we were all told a story. We were all told something um, about sex that created some story, some narrative in our mind. And if I go back to being a young man, a teenager, you know, growing up in a, in a Christian home and growing up in the church where there was virtually no conversation about sex. There was none in my house. Um, there was very little in my church. And whenever, whenever the topic was brought up, it was brought up with um, what, I would, what I would say were, were, were very well-intentioned adults, but who approached it with a lot of fear, with a lot of anxiety and and so what they communicated to me, um, and I and I think this is true as I've gone over all over the country sharing this message. I've I've heard this over and over again. Yeah, that's what I heard. Is this this idea of, of sex is one of those things we got we got to talk about it quietly. You know, we can't say it too loud. And and we're gonna have that that sex talk with the, with the youth down in the youth building that one time. And uh, it it was really fear, I think, that was motivating a lot of parents or at least preventing them from having these conversation in churches. And if you were to ask me kind of what I took from that, what was the story I was told? I'd show you this picture. Um, As a young man, this is, this was my, what I would say was God's plan for sex in my life. This is all I knew as, as, as a a young teenager is do not enter, you know, (laughs) don't go there. This is, this is off topic, wait, wait until you're married and, and sex is, sex is awful. You know, it's all these consequences can happen. But then when you get married, it's great you know, and, and that was kind of the message that I was told. So this is what I was left with was, oh, we can't talk about it. Oh, this isn't something we're supposed to talk about. And, and it's certainly not something I was supposed to do. But if you would ask me again, if you'd asked me as a young man, why? um, I don't know, because the Bible says it, I guess, because God says that I, I, I couldn't have come up with a good answer to that. And When I set out on this journey as a parent many years ago, 28 years ago to be exact, um, I wanted to create a better story. I wanted to do a better job with my kids. And so I'm gonna show you another picture and it was a picture that I tried to keep in mind as I was having these conversations with my kids about sex. And it was this, it's this beautiful picture sex, as God has created it, his story of sex, is a beautiful thing. I, I love this picture because I love the mountains. I love taking a drive through the mountains. And, and I think this picture represents so much of God's story of sex. And, and what is that? Well, number one, I think it is a journey. I do think it is a, a path um, that, that is a beautiful picture But it also has a beautiful destination in mind. Um, And then the other thing I love about this picture is that along the way, this journey uh, are these guardrails. These guardrails that are there to keep us on the path. These guardrails that are to protect us from the the danger that that lies on the other side of of where they are, of, of the danger that's out there. And I really think this is, a, this is more indicative of mm-hmm. God's story of sex. It's a beautiful thing. And painting this picture for our kids is, is a tough one when we're going up against the messages of Hollywood, when we're going up against the messages of, of the culture at large. But here's the thing, you and I have the opportunity to introduce our kids to the author and the creator of this good thing, the creator of sex. It was God's idea. It was his thought. It was his design. And so when we think about the guardrails, you know, we think about, it, it, when I go back to what I thought about as a kid, I thought God was a, a killjoy. Like like he didn't want me to have fun. He didn't want me to enjoy sex. He didn't want me to have the pleasures and, and all the things that come with that. I just I saw God as a killjoy when it came to sex, but that's not at all the case. What God is doing is, because he's a loving God, because he created sex, because sex is such a powerful thing, just like Deuteronomy 6.24 says here, he's given us these commands, he's given us these statutes, he's given us guardrails for our good. Just like the engineer who designed this road didn't put up these guardrails to keep us from enjoying the journey, to keep us from enjoying the beauty of the mountain drive. The guardrails are there because the engineers knew what the dangers were. They, they knew if, if we got off the path, what the dangers would be. And so that's, what's, that's what God is doing. So rather than, than seeing sex as this thing I can't do, or all these rules, these thou shalt nots that God has given me, I look at, and, and I want to help my kids see that sex is, is meant for the covenant relationship of marriage, that, that sex is meant for one man, one woman in a lifelong covenant marriage in this covenant that, that is protected. and We'll talk more about that, but, but it's a, it's because of his love and because of the power of sex that he gives us these guardrails. And so here's another phrase I want, I, I want you to hear is we've talked about God's story of sex. I also want us to be very specific and reframe how we think about purity. And I love this, this statement. This is one of the core teachings of our ministry. Purity is a relationship, not an accomplishment. And, and let, me, let me explain that further, what I mean, and, and I'll go back to that 1 John 3, 3 verse that we, we looked at. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him, Jesus, purifies himself just as he is pure. Here's what purity is. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ, the pure one, and he is purifying me purity is not something that I can accomplish. Purity is also not something that once I lose it or once I mess up, I'm out of the purity club. Thank God it's not that way. Because Jesus set the bar for us with purity in Matthew chapter five. And he said this, he said, and I'm paraphrasing, even if you think about these things, if you think of someone with lust, you've committed adultery or porneia, which is the Greek word for sexual immorality. What Jesus was saying to us was, hey, we have all fallen short on this. Purity is not something by me being abstinent or me staying within the guardrails is, 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 is something for me to do. Purity has been done for me parents, if you want your kids to pursue purity for the rest of their lives, make sure they're pursuing Jesus and not accomplishments. And and when you think about this in the bigger scheme of things, I mean, think about how we have phrased and and put purity kind of in in this umbrella of accomplishment. We've used phrases that, and I say we, the church and we're all, we're all probably guilty to some degree, but we really set up wedding kind of as the wedding and the wedding night as the hinge point where we've said, hey, stay pure until your wedding night. Well, the problem with, there's a couple problems with that. Number one, Psalm 51 tells us that we were born in iniquity. None of us are pure to begin with. Purity is not something that we keep or that we save. Now, What we mean when we say that is virginity. Purity and virginity are not the same thing. So what what I'm talking about is purity, and I'm talking about pursuing purity. No matter what I've done, no matter what you have done, or no matter what has been done to us, every one of us can pursue purity. It's a decision that we make. And it is a relationship, Christ is purifying me. This point really came home to me big time. About 10 years ago, I was given a talk to some young adults um, and a young lady came up to me at the end of the talk and she said to me, you know what? I am so thankful for what you said about pursuing purity. She said, when I was seven years old, I was raped by a family member. And the church I was going to though they never came out and said it, they certainly gave me the impression that I could never be pure again, that that had been taken from me. And I I just said to her, I said, I just want you to know this, that that message is straight from the enemy. That is not true. That no matter what has happened to us, no matter what decisions we have made, no matter how much we have messed up, we all can pursue purity because what Christ did for us. Pursuing purity does not end on the wedding night. And that's the second thing I want us to see about this slide. Some of our kids are not going to get married. Some of our kids are gonna be single for the rest of their lives. Even if they get married or they stay single, I still wanna equip my kids to pursue purity the rest of their lives for a lot, for a lot of people the the really the real struggle with purity or the pursuit of purity doesn't even happen till after they've been married. It's not like man if you can just make it to your wedding night, if you can just get there, like you're going to be pure and everything's going to be fine. That's that's a lie too. We don't come into this world pure and we don't by doing something, we don't stay pure. And and so for a lot of people, and I know this, I've been married 30 years and it's an ongoing struggle. It's an ongoing pursuit of purity. And so I wanna set my kids up and I wanna equip them to pursue purity, not just until their wedding night, but for the rest of their lives. And I'll talk more about that as we talk about having conversations with our kids, because I really do think we need to invite them into our journey our journey of pursuing purity as well. Let me get back to this idea of story because I think this is really important. There is a story here and it's a beautiful story. And I wanna give you four, kind of four Ps that really talk more about this story. Um, Proclamation, protection, pleasure and procreation. These are all things I think we need to be communicating with our kids. Now in the next five, 10 minutes, whatever it takes me to get through these, we're not gonna learn everything we need to know about all these. I'm gonna give you kind of a high level um, understanding of these four Ps, but I think these are the four things that are key to communicating with our kids about God's design, about this story of sex that he's created. And the first is this the proclamation piece that that sex does tell a story and it tells a story at every life stage. It's not God did not set it up so that the story of sex is only being told by married married couples who are are sexually active. He also gives it this story to single people who are pursuing purity, who, who are staying within the guardrails, who are, tr- are trying to live by the guardrails and the boundaries that God has given. There's a story being told there. In fact, if you look at the story of scripture, we, we see it really illustrated greatly when in, in the picture that, that the Bible paints for us about Jesus and the church. And it it refers to Jesus as the bridegroom, right? And it refers to the church, those of us who have placed our faith in in Jesus as the bride. And we are being purified. It uses this analogy all throughout scripture. And, And the life stage really that is comparable to that story of Christ leaving and not yet returning for his church is the picture of an engagement or dating, where where we're betrothed but we're not yet married. That that's the picture that the the life stage that in the world, the the situation that we're in in the world right now um, with waiting for Christ to return. We're waiting for Him to to come for his bride, the church. And so I, I just think that's a, a beautiful story that's being told in scripture. And here's, here's a couple of passages that, that help tell this. Um, Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, I think is a great one. And, and it's interesting too, because the apostle Paul is a single man. He's a celibate man. And yet he's teaching this idea of a husband and a wife becoming one flesh. And he says this mystery is great, but I'm speaking in reference to Christ and the church. Um, that this this idea of two becoming one. Uh, he's quoting in Ephesians 5:31. He's quoting from Genesis, where he's saying that, you know, where a where a husband shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That one flesh. The the Hebrew word for that is a cod. And a cod really means fusion, to be fused together. A modern terminology would be something being welded together, where it, it's never meant to come apart again. And, and so that one flesh union, that where, where we will be united with Christ, that's what the picture of marriage is, this unity and this beautiful picture that is given to us. And it also helps us answer the question, why is sex so sacred? I mean, what's what's the big deal? It's a big deal. And it's sacred because of the story that it captures and the story that it tells. And and sex outside of marriage, sex outside of the protection of marriage and and the the sacredness of marriage is, is a violation of all of that. And, and, and so there, there's this sacredness to it as well. The second P is protection. This is that idea of that God has set up the marital union sex within the covenant of relationship under this umbrella, this umbrella of covenant, and under that umbrella is this beautiful protected environment. That's how God has intended for sex to be the the behavior of sex to be lived out and acted out as one man, one woman, in a lifelong committed relationship, That there's a protective element to that. Outside of that, and I've heard it described this way, you know, it's kind of like a fire in a fireplace, and you see my fireplace behind me, it's sex, a fire in my fireplace is protected, it's safe, but if that fire leaves the fireplace and spills out into my living room floor, it, and it becomes disastrous. And, and so that's what the protective element of sex looks like. It's, it's under the protective element of a covenant is where, where God has intended and plans for the sexual union of a man and a woman to happen within that covenant. There's also another, there, there's other aspects of protection that we see in first Corinthians, where Paul says, stop depriving one another you know and except for a period of time by prayer um or that you've agreed upon um stop depriving one another and and come back together again so that you won't be tempted uh Paul is speaking there to just the flesh he's speaking to the 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 temptations that he knows we will face and so the protection there is the protection of from sexual temptation is also part of that covenant relationship, part of that husband and wife coming back into that, uh, into that relationship together. And then um, I want to move on here to the pleasure piece of sex, because I parents, I think it's really important that we be talking about this, because the world is screaming at our kids about the pleasures of sex. And here's the truth. Sex is pleasurable. Sex is pleasurable whether it's within God's protection, covenant, within the guardrails, or sex is outside of those guardrails. Um, Sex is pleasurable. That's the truth. But here's the the bottom line. God created pleasure, And, and all pleasure should lead us to worship. And and it's very difficult sometimes, especially the way that I was raised in the church, and my view of sex, to think of, of the pleasures of sex as an act of worship. But it is. The pleasures that God intended for sex, they were his idea. They were his plan. And we don't have to shy away from that. We don't have to be afraid to talk to our kids about this aspect of sex, because it's true. And, and the world is talking about it, but they're not talking about all the other stuff, just this aspect of it. And so we do need to bring this up and we do need to be willing to talk about that. And then, you know I've, I'll leave a couple of these verses up here because, and then when I get into the last one, this is kind of the obvious one, but it's also an important one to make as part of this entire conversation and that is procreation. Uh, procreation is part of God's plan for sex. It's part of the story. So, you know, one of the first commands, be fruitful and multiply. It was the way, it is the way biologically that, that God chose to populate the earth, to bring human beings into, uh, into being was through the sexual union. But it's also, there's another aspect of this that sex brings this procreation or this procreation element of the sexual story. And that is, I talked about it already, the one flesh union, the, the Akkad, that one flesh of a husband and a wife, of a, a, of a couple coming together, becoming one. That one is a new creation. That one did not exist before They were married before they had the sexual union. That one flesh is a new creation. So the idea is that, yes, biologically, sex brings life, but it also brings life to the marriage. It also brings life to the one flesh union and gives life to that. And then, again, I I said this before, some of our kids are going to choose not to be married. Some of our kids are going to choose to be single, and it's important that that we talk about this, and I I think discipleship is part of this, and Jesus kind of gave the same same command to his followers when he said, go and make disciples. Um, we, We all are sexual beings. We all steward the gift of sexuality, whether we're sexually active in a marriage or whether we're single, and celibate, celibate, and following God's design and His command, we are all sexual beings. It doesn't make us not sexual, and so this procreative element is also something that He's bringing. So I, I mentioned I was going to touch on these briefly. I know I went through those quick. There's a whole lot more behind each of these, but I really want to get into kind of this dialogue. How do we? How do we really create? dialogue with our kids around these topics. So let me move in to that one. Um, and I'll, I'll end that that first part of God's story with this. The story of sex is ultimately the story of God's love for his people. That's the narrative. That's the story that it's telling. And because of that, we have a better story. And when I say that, we have a better story than the other stories that are competing, the, the culture's story. And, and, and the world our kids are growing up in, um, we've got the better story. So how do we tell the story? How do we have these ongoing conversations with our kids? I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you five key words um, that are really going to just spark some ideas and hopefully some thoughts when you think about having these conversations with your kids. I alluded to this earlier, I I really think we should invite our kids into our journey. The, The pursuit of purity, the journey of pursuing purity is lifelong. And I think a lot of parents think we need to have this talk with our kids and we need to teach them. I think modeling for our kids is so much more powerful than anything that we tell them. And so it's okay moms and dads to talk about your own struggles. Um, and and I, I, I say that with obvious, depending on your kid's age, we don't reveal to a six-year-old the same thing we would reveal to a 16-year-old. and But inviting our kids into our journey just gives us an opportunity to, hey, remember when you were their age. Remember when you were 12 years old and you had all these questions and all these hormones and all these thoughts is just just putting yourself in your kid's place and because you've been there and, and talking about, hey, here are some things that I struggled with. Here are some things that I messed up with. I think so many parents are scared to do this because they're scared to death that their kids are going to say, mom, dad, how did you do? How did, how, did, how did it go with you? And, and for some of us, and I'll raise be the first to raise my hand, some of us are not proud of some of the things that we did. We don't have a great story to tell our kids. But for me, this is an opportunity to intro, introduce my kids to their redeemer, to, to talk about the redemptive story of, of Christ's work in my life when it comes to my purity and my sexuality. Um, He's redeem. He's redeeming me, and, and, and that's what I want to point my kids to, not here's what your dad did or here's what your mom did. Do it this way, and here's what works for me. It's really about pointing them again to the pure one, to Jesus. That's, that's who we want to do that. That's what we want to do with our kids is point them to him. So here are five words, and I'll, I'll touch on them just real briefly, compelling, intentional, vulnerable, available, and truthful. These are are five things that I think will help spark some conversation, but will also help you on your journey to create conversation, to create ongoing dialogue. When I talk about compelling, I'm talking about being a storyteller. This goes back to the whole premise of of a story, God's story of sex. I, I have parents say to me all the time, uh, or ask me, Dan, when should we start talking to our kids about sex? Like at what age? I think every parent wants to know what's the magic age, right? Is it, is it seven? Is it eight? Is it 13? Is it, what is it? I always answer that question with a question. And my answer to the question, when should you start talking to your kids about sex? Is this question, when does the world start talking to your kids about sex? I mean, think about that for a second. If your child is sitting in front of TV and they're watching cartoons, I will promise you this. I have a two and a half year old granddaughter right now and and I can't believe how many sexual messages are in simple cartoons that you don't even think about and commercials that you forget to change the channel. The world is yelling at our kids. The world has a story to tell. We've got a better story but we gotta be better storytellers. We gotta be telling this story more often. If you don't believe we have a better story, you're not gonna tell the story. If you think the world's story or the culture's story is more compelling and, and has a better message for our kids, we're not gonna tell it. But if you think that God has a better story, and I guarantee you, you wouldn't be on this call probably if you didn't believe that, but if you believe that God has a better story, let's tell the story and let's tell it often to our kids now to do that we need to be intentional we can't just say yeah if it comes up or um you know when they ask me a question or whatever that may be we've got to make a plan we have to be intentional i my wife and i made the decision at a very early age we were going to start talking to our kids about this topic and i'm so glad that we did in fact If I had it to do all over again, I would have started even earlier. But we started having these conversations at six and seven years old, Um, really the the full-blown conversations at those ages. And and it took some intentionality. It was uncomfortable, it wasn't easy, but I just wanna encourage you to move forward in that. You've gotta make a plan. These conversations don't just come up and they never are easy, but we got to do it anyway. We got to be intentional, and I, and I love this point. Ignorance does not promote innocence, or it doesn't keep innocence. So many, so many parents are afraid to introduce this topic to their kids too young. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to ruin the innocence of my child by 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 doing this. I love this from Joshua. You know, just this, this one that there wasn't a word of all that Moses commanded. And by the way, there was a lot of commands about sex and sexual activity and purity and all of those things. And, and look what it says, he, 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 he read it before all of Israel including the women and the little ones and the sojourners who lived among them. Here's a quote from somebody a whole lot smarter than me. My, I know my title says Dr. Dan, I'm not a doctor, Here's a a quote from a doctor, (laughs) Um, Case Western University. She's she's so great. This comes from one of Josh McDowell's books. Uh, But she says, too much too soon is a rare circumstance in today's world. The opposite extreme, your children not knowing your values as they pertain to sex, is far more common and far more dangerous because of the society we live in. And then she writes this, the consequences of avoiding these conversations far outweigh the consequences of giving too much information too soon. And I would high five her or knuckle bump or whatever, whatever's COVID appropriate these days because I love that statement is we should be erring on the side of giving too much information or the way that I say it, I wanna be on the offensive. I don't wanna be on the defensive. And if we're waiting till our kids are ready, if we're waiting until they're 12, 13 years old, come with a notebook because your kids are gonna, you're gonna wanna take some notes on all that your kids have learned, number one. And number two is sex education is happening with your kids today. I don't care what age they are. The question you and I have to ask is who is going to be the primary source of information when it comes to sex for them? And i hope you will say it will be you as their parent pointing them to god's story to god's plan to his design the other thing i i think is important is i mentioned this already is to be vulnerable i love this from from paul this reminder in first corinthians such were some of you but you were washed you know sanctified all these things such were some of us we we have to see our story the vulnerability of our sexuality, um, we have to use that to help our kids navigate this well as well. And we can use that to help our kids navigate this. When when my kids would ask me questions about seeing pornography, you know, when I was a young man, having viewed pornography kind of accidentally at first and then on purpose afterwards, you know, when I when I share that story with them. I, and, and they've said, you know, Dad, how did you do? Or, or what happened there? I've always said, you know, I didn't do so well in some areas, but I want to help you. Because I know how hard it is. I know how difficult it is. I know the pressures and the desire to see some of these images, and I really want to help you do better. And, and so being vulnerable with them is the way that we invite them into that story. So don't be afraid to be vulnerable when it comes to your kids be available. (laughs) Uh, This is the way that I would say this. Become your kid's go-to person uh, when it comes to conversations about sex. And I remember uh, with my youngest son, or my oldest son, at the end of a big conversation he he and I had had when he was about seven years old about sex, I said at the end of that conversation, Hey bud, if you ever have a question, if you ever hear something, you don't know what it means, you don't know what that term is, I said I want you to ask me, I'm available. I want you to come to me. You will never get in trouble. Ask me anything. What does that word mean? What does that phrase mean? And, and, and do that, and I would say that to him every time we had a conversation. <laughs> um, and I'll just tell you quick, and I, won't, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but his first question to me when he was eight and a half years old, a year and a half after I'd said, please come to me with any question. He said, dad, we talked about the whole sex thing. He goes, what is oral sex? First question, he asked me about sex. And and parents, I hated it. I hated that he had heard it. I hated that some kid on the bus probably had said it to him or some kid at school. But here's what I love. And this is what I said to him. I said, thank you. Because thank you for asking me. I'm so glad he didn't Google it. I'm so glad that he didn't look for an answer on his own. I'm so glad that he trusted his dad to ask that question and that I had the privilege, yes, the privilege to answer that question for my eight and a half year old. And and again, it was because I I kept saying, if you you won't get in trouble, come to me. I, I wanna answer these questions for you. Here's the last thing on all of this is to be truthful. We have the truth. (laughs) The truth is on our side. If you know the truth and you know Jesus, Jesus is the truth. The truth will set you free. Here's the beautiful thing. I'm going to leave you with this. The truth is that sex is wonderful. God created it. He designed it. And it is a gift that he gives to us. To shy away from these conversations about sex is really a reflection of our own brokenness, our own shame, our own guilt and our own discomfort. Parents, we gotta get over that. We have the truth on our side and we get to have these conversations with our kids. Well, that's all I've got for you. I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to share some of these things with you. I want to point you to our website. We've got tons of resources on there that you can look at and uh, we've got a ton of things that will further uh, give you more information about some of the things that we talked about. But Jenna, I'm going to turn it back over to you and I'm going to stop sharing my screen.
0: All right, Dan. Wow, that was everything I knew that would be. So um, just thrilled that you could uh, that you could be with us this evening. And um, let me get my screen up and just loved that message. Oh, wow, was that ever good. And, and you know, parents, I kind of warned you beforehand in some of my marketing stuff, it is not uh, the traditional approach. It's, it, there's so many good ideas and thoughts in that and so much truth in what Dan said. So Dan, we've got a little Q&A for you if you're brave enough here. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, all right, so the first question, you're probably used to this question um, and you know, certainly understand the idea of sex as an ongoing conversation, which I think is exciting and brilliant and wonderful. This parent is asking, I understand what you're saying about needing to talk to kids about sex on an ongoing basis, but when the time comes that they ask specific questions as to what happens physically, I need help. Can yeah. you recommend any resources to walk me through that?
2: Yes, um, one of the the resources. It's a brand new resource we have. It's a it's a parents pocket guide to talk having conversations about sex with your kids. It's a free download on our website. It will give you age appropriate talking points, and and so there's a section for you know. Pre-K, there's a section for early elementary, middle school, high school, just some conversation starters and some guidelines about having those conversations. But I, I think I alluded to this before and I'll say it again, is if we're not having those conversations, if we're not bringing up those topics, just know that somebody else is. And, and the somebody else might be images that they're seeing on websites. Yeah, And, and so we... As much as I would love to not have these conversations with very young kids, if we don't, we're going to be on the defensive and we're going to be responding to something that happened or something that they saw, as opposed to being on the offensive of giving them the grander scheme. One of, And I'll just say this real quick. One of the ways that I always answered one of my kids' questions, and that that question that I mentioned my oldest son had his first question i it I, I began the answer with this remember when we talked about god's story of sex remember you know and and just reminding him of of you know the the covenant the protection the all of that like going back to the story and really really using the story to answer some tough questions
0: yeah good i mean that's that's great and that That um, parents' guide that you alluded to, that's on your website, correct?
2: It is, yes, and it's a free download. We've also got one on there for if you happen to be a ministry leader or a pastor and you're listening in, we also have that same pocket guide for having conversations about sex for pastors and ministry leaders because we want to spark conversations not just in homes but in churches as well.
0: Nice. That's that's wonderful. Um, and that, you guys, if you can't get to his website, it's the the organization is Pure Hope, um, spelled just like it sounds. But email me if you're having any problems getting to that pocket guide. Um, that's fantastic. That's a great resource. I know they'll want to look look at that. Dan,
1: uh, Lana, what are you getting in on the chat? We have a question from a parent of a younger student just saying if I sit down and have a talk with my my eight-year-old and uh, what do I do about helping her so that she doesn't then share that conversation with her friends because not all parents may be on the same page.
2: Yeah that that's a great question and it's also a question that hits very close to home for me um, because one of my kids I forgot to say at the end of those conversations. (laughs) This is not something that, that we have conversations with other people about. And here's what, here's what I, would, I would tell you to make sure you tell your kids. So you have that conversation with your eight-year-old. At the end of that conversation, say, hey, this is a wonderful thing. This is a beautiful conversation that God is so glad we're having. However, it's a conversation that God wants mommies and daddies to have with their kids he does, it's not a conversation that he wants you to have with kids at school or because their parents want to be the ones to tell them about this. Their parents want to do that. And I think that simple reminder at the end, it doesn't mean your kids aren't going to go do that. My, my one child who I I did not do that with um, decided that it was their job to go, you know, spread the message to their, to their friends and, and, and so I had some really tough conversations at uh, dinner tables with a couple of parents, you know, just apologizing for that. But, but here's the beautiful thing about it is it led to some great conversations that they had with their kids and it kind of was a catalyst for that. But, but, but say to your kids, this is a conversations that mommy and daddies, moms and dads have with their kids, not conversations that, that we have with other kids our age.
0: Yeah, very good. I think that's, that's a great point. That was a great question. Um, Okay. Here's another one, Dan. Should moms mostly talk with their daughters and dads mostly talk with their sons or is that just a misnomer? What is your advice on that?
2: (laughs) Um, I'm probably a little old school on this where I would say, I think the primary deliverer of information on this topic should be the parent of the same gender when that's possible.
0: Okay. That is
2: not always possible. And so let, let's take a single mom, for instance, um, and she's got two boys. The, the, the way that I've answered that question in the past is, who in your life is a trusted male figure? whether that's a pastor, a youth leader, an uncle, a brother, you know, somebody somebody close that you trust, that, can, that you can ask to partner with you. Now, that doesn't mean moms don't have conversations with boys, dads don't have conversations with daughters. I probably had more conversations with my daughter than I did with my sons, but it was because of the questions and the, she, she wanted to know more, she wanted to ask more questions. But we, I think in, an, in, in a situation where there is a dad and there is a mom available, if you can do, do the primary conversations with the same sex, you know, dad with boys and mom with girls, that's great. But I will say this, dads, your girls need to hear a perspective, a male perspective that your wife can't give them. They need to, they need to understand to some degree um, the, the teenage male mind. And it's probably more powerful for them to hear that from dad than it is from mom and vice versa. I would say moms, your sons need to hear a woman's perspective on these topics. They need that in their life too, not just dad's perspective, but both perspectives are powerful and needed.
0: Love that. Yeah, so from hearing you, the initial conversation, if possible, would be of the same gender, but then thereafter, everybody speaks into it. Never shy away if you're the one being asked the question. and. And all that, you know, I, I agree. A mom and dad's input is, is both super valuable. So we may have time here for one
1: more quick question. Lana, do you have another one to throw out? Yeah, I'm gonna kind of combine two questions because they're similar questions, just different age groups. Um, what is your advice for uh, how parents should have discussions with kids that may have stumbled, whether that is a teenager that has? Uh, had sex or if it's a small younger student that maybe has been tempted by pornography and stumbled on that and how do you not only have that conversation but how do you compete with that worldly message that they've already gotten that it is exciting and fun and pleasurable
2: yeah yeah and and I alluded to this and in what i was talking about but you know when i talked about being vulnerable i think the first thing is really important that we all just realize we are all sexually broken right i i think it's really easy to come into these conversation with one of two mindsets one mindset being oh man i messed up horribly and i'm ashamed and i'm scared to death to do this the other really dangerous mindset is to come into this very prideful and say well, I did it really well. Like we wait, or my, you know, we waited until marriage, and we did it. that. Doesn't make us pure, you know. It goes back to that idea that purity. I'm being purified by Christ, and and that Matthew five. Even if I've thought about things, you know, others lustfully or had lustful thoughts in my mind. Basically, Jesus was setting the bar there to say just like he said with murder if you you know even if you are angry with someone you've committed murder and he said that about adultery even if you have lust for someone else and so i think that's the starting point is we all recognize we're sexually broken then going back to what if they've messed up in in particular I, again i think it's just the idea of pointing them to to the redemption to to the the grace that is available One of the things about that that picture that I showed of the mountain scene, you know, the windy road with the guardrails, there's one thing that is not captured in that picture that I wish I could find the picture that has it. And that would be a picture, the same picture, but it had an on-ramp. Because in God's journey, this pursuit of purity, there are on-ramps. Even when we decide and make a decision to blow through a guardrail, and and all of us have again whether that's in our thought life or or in our actions god's journey god's per, the pursuit of purity has on ramps we can get back on that road i can wake up tomorrow and say i am you know, making a decision today i'm going to pursue purity and and the bible tells us we will be met with forgiveness and grace and and i think this is one topic because of how poorly we've talked about it. It's that one topic where, oh, I've blown it. You know, I'm out of the Purity Club. I, we just have a tendency to do that. And that is not the case. And, and I'm so grateful that that's not the case because I wouldn't be here having this conversation. Um, there, there is grace for us. There are on-ramps back onto that road.
0: That is the most beautiful message. I absolutely love that message. And it's such a departure from what we do here sometimes. So thank you for that, Dan. It's very absolutely. powerful. And, and I know our community is gonna to wanna to hear more, know more, please email, reach out th- to email uh, me or Dr. Sneer and, and we'll get your messages to um, to Dan. So just quickly to to walk you through uh, you get a huddle up package every time. Look at those for some follow up questions to ask your spouse. You and your spouse can talk this evening and debrief some of this valuable information. And let's just close in prayer. Mm. Heavenly Father, I'm just so encouraged and challenged and and inspired by this message Dan brought to us tonight. Lord, I want to pray for every single parent who's listening tonight, Father. Just equip them and, and help them to have the confidence to know that this journey of pursuing purity, Lord, it is, it is a valuable journey. And um, help them, Father, to not give up, but to, to just uh, encourage their children in all the right ways and just be there for them as they, as they walk that journey, Lord. And to know that there's, um, there's grace in you and strength in you lord we live in such a hard world but it's not impossible to pursue purity so we just we pray for that we pray that um these parents will walk away also feeling inspired and ready to lead their families well pray for the dialogues and the conversations now um that will begin to happen in these homes lord and and just some some redemptive restoration that may need to happen in some homes as well so we love you, Father, and we're grateful for this evening and, and for being here, we give you all the glory and it's in your name we pray, amen. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been a great evening and um, we look forward to more Pep Talks. Actually, it'll be next year. We're starting back next year. So be watching for those and we may you know, go back to our old format. We'll let you know, but thank you for joining us, for taking the time. Thank uh, you. Good night.